Hello, you're listening to the Pomerado Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for spending time with us today. If you're a weekly listener, welcome back. If this is your first time, we're so glad you're here and hope you consider subscribing. If you're in your car, on a run, doing things around the house, or working out, and want to connect even further and take next steps with us, visit pomerado.info. Now, enjoy this week's message. So, I've never been introduced like that before. Welcome to our series on monsters. Here's Evan Foote. Oh, I know my place. Uh, Hey, we can have fun though, right? Um, So we are doing a series on monsters. And today we're looking at a tough one. Uh, Something that can really set you back. In fact, that's Satan's will for you, to give you a really hard time. And sometimes he does that by isolation. Our anchor verse for today is from the book of Hebrews. You've heard it before. We need to spur one another on to love and good deeds, not forsaking the gathering of ourselves. Don't stop Coming to church, we need each other. Now, isolation is something we've all struggled with over this season of pandemic. I was the first service I was saying over the last year, but it's actually more than a year. We're struggling with this, it's hard. And um, actually, this is the first time in a long time that I've been in the worship service inside the building for the whole time. I'm always watching online. In fact, last week, um, I heard the first message, JP talking about the monster of anxiety while driving south on the 17 freeway towards Phoenix last Sunday. So in some ways, even though we've all struggled with this pandemic, there have been some great things that have come out of it. In fact, I, I remember when I was the pastor here, and that's been over three years ago now, and how we really thought it'd be great if we could get our uh, services online and maybe do video. It just seemed impossible to pull that off. It's complicated and expensive, and how will this work? But boy, when that pandemic hit, Pastor JP and the other leaders figured out in about two weeks how we could get that done, and we've been doing it ever since. And uh, yes. So um, typically now when I start off the sermon, I like to try to give you in a few words exactly what I'm trying to say. That way, if you zone out, at least you still got it. All right. So I thought I would start off with uh, 2,000 words of introduction. Because they say a picture is worth 1,000 words. So I have two pictures for you. All right. So when it comes to isolation, this, this is what comes to my mind. All right, go let's, let's see that first picture. Here's a whole bunch of water buffalo grazing together out in the, uh, the savannah or wherever they are. Uh, looks like they're hanging out doing a good time. But wait, we're not seeing the whole picture. This is what's really going on. Together, 
they are facing down a hungry lion. Together, these buffalo can keep him at bay. But what this lion is looking for is for one of those to isolate from the others. Because when that happens, well, we all know what's next. Now, you can watch this on video all over the internet where the lions chase down an isolated buffalo and take it down and eat him up. I, I'm not going to show you the pictures. You just know what's going to happen. This guy is dead meat. <laughs> literally, literally dead meat. So to me, this is the issue of isolation. And I simply want to tell you today, don't be that buffalo. You need your herd. You need to be together. This is why the scripture says, don't forsake the gathering. Don't go off on your own. Now there's more than one ways to, uh, to do this, and I'm going to explain some of those. But this is the, this picture calls to verse, calls to mind this verse in 1 Peter chapter 5. Be alert. Be of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Don't be that buffalo. And one of the ways he'll get you is when you isolate off on your own, away from your herd. Um, I think maybe, though, we should expand this a bit. There's more than one way to isolate. So I don't know if you have one of the printed outlines. I'm trying to put it all up on the screen. So let's talk about three different ways, three different dangers that we face as believers because of what Satan wants to do to us. Three dangerous ways to isolate. So I think this first one makes perfect sense. Don't isolate from your church family. Don't isolate yourself from your church family. Now, I would also say, don't isolate from your family, from your team, from your work group, from your neighborhood. There's any number of ways, but, but we're talking as a congregation here now. So let me just say, don't isolate from your church family. That's when you wander off and you start getting chased by the lion and he's going to eat you. Now, I want to give you a second way that we isolate. And it's going to sound like I'm contradicting myself. But I think it's very true. Number one is, don't isolate from your church family. Number two is, don't isolate yourself in your church family. Because it's possible, and it happens all the time, for a whole group of people to wander off the path, to get themselves in trouble. We, a whole group of people can be manipulated by Satan. 
And we don't want that to happen. The picture that comes to my mind is uh, when Jesus healed or, or, or uh, cast the demons out of the man who had a legion of demons. And you remember, he cast them into the, the pigs that were on the cliff, and they all together, the whole herd of pigs, went running off the cliff and died in the water. Okay? So I'm not sure if every single one of those pigs had a demon in it or not, but the whole crowd, the whole herd of pigs went off the cliff because pigs do that. <laughs> or uh, group think can lead a whole group of pig to kill themselves. So the first thing I want to say today is don't be that lonely buffalo. But I also need to say, don't be one of those pigs who's in a group of people that's isolating themselves from reality. There are cliffs out there, and Satan would love to send you off a cliff. Now, I think what both of these are saying, as opposite as they might sound, is they're really saying this. Don't isolate yourself from truth. And I think there's been a lot of that going on. I've been hearing things like, well, that's your truth, and I have my truth. You do your research, but I do my research. How, how do we come to opposite ends? Well, it's because we've lost, we've been isolated from true truth. And that's why we have God's word and smart people to help lead us. Don't be that buffalo. On the other hand, don't be one of those pigs because Satan wants to destroy you. Oh, but now my, by the way, Satan does not want to eat you. Satan is not a lion. The scripture says he's like a lion. This is a metaphor. Satan wants to destroy you. He wants to disable you. He wants to make you ineffective. He wants to pull you off God's path. He wants that for you as an individual. He wants that for us as a church. That's what Satan wants. So as I've been thinking about the various ways we can isolate, a couple, about a month ago, I was reading through um, first, first and Second Timothy, and I ran into this passage that explained so much about how Satan can do this. And what exactly he wants? He doesn't want to eat you. What does he want? Well, let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 23 to 26. Now, we're going to put them up on the screen here, but the letters are kind of small. I, frankly, I think it's great to have leather and paper in your hands. <laughs> I think it's great to have a printed Bible. I use my Bible app all the time. I mean, frequently several times a day probably but there's something about having the words right here uh, in paper that well actually in this case visually I saw a sequence that makes sense about how Satan wants to take us down so if you can see the words on the screen but better yet if you can get the Bible out turn to 2nd Timothy and in chapter 2, we're going to pick up reading starting at 
page, uh, verse, I think it's 23. Yeah, we have it right up on the screen. And um, I'll start with verse 23. Now, by the way, this is probably the last writing of Paul that we have. He may have written more, but it wasn't included in the scripture. The scripture here, this letter to Timothy, was when Paul was aging. He was in prison. He didn't think he was going to get out, maybe, but I don't think so. That's the way he put it. So in these final words to his protege, Timothy, he writes this. I'm in verse 23 of chapter 2 of 2 Timothy. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful, and those who oppose him, now this is Paul talking to Timothy in the church that he's serving there, and saying, look, you're going to have opposition, but here's how you handle it. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Now, when I saw that in visually uh, on the scripture like this, I, I started making an outline. This is what, Satan's want, what Satan wants, and this is how he does it. So, here are the eight steps, five strategies Satan used to get you and God's three answers to get you out of it. And now just visually, I'm starting at the bottom because the bottom line, Satan is not a lion and he doesn't want to eat you. He is a spiritual enemy and what he wants is listed at the end of this passage. Look at verse 26. Uh, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Satan wants you to do his will. He would love for you. He would love for you to take an assault rifle to a house of worship and start shooting people or any number of other things. I just mentioned that because that's happened in our community not that long ago. He loves dissension and hatred and anger and killing and murder. He doesn't want to eat you. He just wants you to do bad stuff. And you would think, why would a good person ever do anything like that? Because if, if Satan said, uh, go kill some people, you wouldn't do that. But how does he get you to do this? Back up one step. All right? He has taken them captive to do his will. He wants you to do his will, and the way he does that is to take you captive. He captures you. He puts you in a situation, like locked in a room, where you're, where you're stuck, and you feel like, I have to do something terrible. How does he get you to do his will? By taking you captive. 
back up one more step. Well, how does he do that? How does he take you captive? The scripture says, to escape, um, again, I'm reading for, at the, the last verse, and we're working our way up. To escape from the trap of the devil who has taken him captive to do his will. He sets a trap for you. How does he get you captive? He sets a trap. A trap is something that looks good, but there's a catch to it, like a mouse trap. Ooh, look at that cheese. But there's a catch to that cheese. And Satan does this kind of thing. He gets you thinking, I th oh, wow, that smells good. That looks good. I think I'll head in that direction. And before long, you're captive and you're doing his will. So how does he set the trap? Okay, we'll back up one more that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. He gets you to lose your senses. He gets you to think, oh, there's a good reason why that cheese is there. This is, this is God's blessing for me to eat this cheese. Then snap, you're caught. Oh, you're captive. Now you get to the point, and this is what we see, We've seen this in our society, in our world, people doing horrific things. Don't be that buffalo. Don't isolate yourself and let Satan get a hold of you. He doesn't want to eat you. He just wants you to do his will. And he has this little scheme here. But God has the answers, of course. And this is what Paul is telling Timothy. He says, you're going to face opposition. But, verse 25, those who oppose him, he must gently instruct. So here are the safety guards. Satan has his five-step strategy to grab you and use you, but God has his three answers. Number one, we need regular instruction. Don't stop learning. And uh, we need instruction from the Bible. But also, keep learning. I mean, whether you're looking through a microscope or a telescope or through the scope of God's word, keep learning what truth is. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that, I'm reading verse 25, in the hope that God will grant them repentance. We need repentance. What that is, is the attitude I have when I realize I'm wrong about some things. I'm wrong about some of the things I do. I'm wrong about some of the things I think. I don't know everything. And when I get to that point where I know it all, you are all wrong. You are all stupid. I know it all. Don't be one of those pigs. <laughs> oh, but I've done my research. Well, just follow those pigs right off the cliff. No, we need... 
we need repentance. It says, I don't know everything. I need help. I need direction. I'm open. And I think if we could just maybe open up some civil dialogue in our society, in our world, and realize even the people that I think are pretty wacky, maybe I can learn something from them. If we could just talk together, we could reason together, come to some truth together, come to a knowledge of the truth, that they um, uh, grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. That's what we need. We need truth. And as a congregation, we say, well, we, we have God's word right here. So what am I saying? Don't isolate yourself from your church family. That's being a buffalo. Don't isolate yourself in your church family. That's being one of those pigs. Can I give you an example of that? By the way, if you want an example of how you isolate from your church family, well, you've experienced that this last year. I mean, we've all struggled with the pandemic and times when we couldn't get together. It's been hard. We're, we're still struggling with that. If you want an example of how you can uh, isolate in your church family, I read one recently. I was reading about Phil, um, Philip Yancey. Philip Yancey has been a Christian writer for a couple decades. I think he's put out more than 30 books, sold millions of copies. I have, certainly haven't read all of them. I've read a couple of them, and they're very good, Philip Yancey. Um, but the, his last book is a memoir telling the story of his life about things I never knew before. Like, for example... His father died of polio when Philip Yancey was one year old and his older brother was three years old. And they were told that uh, it was the polio that killed him. It wasn't until later that he found out, well, his dad and mother wanted to be missionaries in Africa. And their, uh, how do I say this? Um, very tight-knit, radical church, fundamentalist, out on the fringes. The church said, you know, when he caught polio, he, was, he couldn't go to the mission field because he was in an iron lung back in the days. But some of the church people said, well, if you trust God, you can get out of your iron lung and God will heal you and you'll be a missionary in Africa. He died a couple days later when Philip Yancey was three years old. His mother swore on the father's grave that my two boys are going to be missionaries in Africa. Well, that's a nice thing. You want your boys to be missionaries. But that's not necessarily your place to call them. So, so they had their radical fundamentalist out on the fringe church. I'm giving you an example of how a, you can be isolated in a group. And this is what struck me. When Philip Yancey and his brother wanted to go to Wheaton College instead of their fundamentalist uh, cult college, the mother, the mother said this, all right? I just have to read it right out of his memoirs. 
It's a review of it in Christianity Today. Um, instead of going to the fundamentalist cult college, they wanted to go to Wheaton, which is a very conservative Christian. I mean, my goodness, that's where Billy Graham and Josh McDowell went, okay? The mother said to the brothers, if you do that, I will do whatever it takes to stop you, young man. You listen to me. If you find a way to pull off this plan, I guarantee you one thing. I will pray every day for the rest of your life that God will break you. Maybe you'll be in a terrible accident and die. That'll teach you. Or better yet, maybe you'll be paralyzed. Then you'll have to lie on your back and stare at the ceiling and realize what a rebellious thing you've done going against God's will and everything. How, how do you get that far out there? Well, you can be isolated in a group. Um, Yancey's mother, still living at 97 years old, has not read a single one of her son's books. Nor has she released her grip on the legalism or disavowed the vow that led to such relational wreckage. She and her eldest son remained estranged, locked in what Yancey calls the dark energy of wrong theology. So what I'm saying is, don't be one of those pigs running off the cliff with all your other pigs to death. Don't be that buffalo either. So, gosh, it was about a year ago, JP gave a sermon. We were outside at the time, as I recall, and he put a picture up on the screen of a man named Tom Terrence. It's actually a mugshot. So I, I put, the, there it is again. You remember this, JP? Quite a story. In fact, uh, Tom Terrence, he, he briefly told about how uh, though he was a, grew up in the church, uh, he ended up trying to blow up the town. Literally, he was trying to, he placed a, a bomb because he had been so radicalized. And so when JP read, uh, talked about that, I said, this is interesting. He's written a book, a number of books, but this one, I think I have a, well, first, we're going to put the outline up there, the same outline we just went through. These five ways that Satan wants to get you to do his will and the three steps that God can protect you, all right? The book is called Condem uh, Consumed by Hate, Redeemed by Love. It's a little bit hard to read the title because they have superimposed them. Consumed by Hate, Redeemed by Love. So I just ate up that book because I've wondered... How can a kid take an assault rifle into a synagogue and start shooting people? This is a church kid. How does anyone do that kind of thing? How does Tom Terrence get to where he, he, he grew up in the church, was baptized and all that kind of stuff, and now, now he's uh, putting bombs out to kill people? How, did, how does this happen? So when I look at this outline he, he went through exactly these steps. And just briefly, let me say, for example, 
denying truth. He grew up in the 50s and 60s in the South, Mobile, Alabama. Uh, segregation was everywhere. And even though we say all people are created equal, ah, oh, that's not true in the South. So, uh, you know, they, he denied that truth. He believed that black people were inferior. And then he began to lose his senses. He was absolutely angry when the federal government said, you have to integrate your schools. They're going to bus in students into his high school. This made him furious. And the anger, oh, by the way, and his parents divorced. And so he's, this, he's, he's wandering off on his own. And no one's dealing with his anger. No one's helping him. He's as upset as can be about um, these black students. So every chance you get, he'd rough them up, push them down, do things that you, a church kid wouldn't do. But he's denying the truth, losing his senses, and then a trap was set. He began to isolate himself from any of his other friends, except there was one kid down the street that liked to play chess, and Tom liked to play chess. So they would get together and play chess. This kid also had some recordings. And I'm trying to think, back in the f late 50s, or what would that be? It's probably a reel-to-reel, -reel, I guess. Anyway, he had recordings of Hitler's speeches. And Tom Terrence started listening to them. He was fascinated. This was the trap. And even though he didn't understand a word of German, there was something about the power and the energy and the influence. Next, as you read, he, from that trap, he became captive to a way of thinking. He began to uh, subscribe to far-out magazines. I mean, it's amazing how quickly he radicalized. And this is without the internet. You think, so this is the same thing that's going on today, only on steroids. He started taking magazines and reading literature that would, was just convincing him that all of this desegregation is wrong and the federal government's trying to take over. We need to do something about this. And it's a complicated process, but you see this just happening as you read through that book. And then finally, he is captive by the, uh, uh, he got hooked up with some radical operatives who were planning these bombings. And he would meet with them secretly, actually traveled to different states, and became sucked into the rabbit hole of radicalism. And finally, he ended up trying to do Satan's will, blow up someone's house. And he was, well, one person died. Later, another person died. He almost was killed, but God preserved his life. He was sentenced to 35 years in prison, put in solitary confinement. He would only get out of his cell twice a week for a 15-minute shower. All the rest of the time, uh, talk about being isolated. He was isolated. But in that cell, God started working with the top three things. Number one, he 
began to receive some instruction. There was a, ho- there was a prison doctor, Dr. Mack, who, by the way, was an African-American, who began to help him. He was kind to him and taught him, you know, why he was having so much pain as a result of his injuries. Uh, so he, he helped him. And uh, then the next step was he actually started feeling sorrow over the death that he had caused. And he began to repent of that. You say, did he turn to God? He didn't think he needed to turn to God. He thought he was on God's side this whole time. But finally, he, truth broke through. And you probably think, and this is what I was thinking, oh, he started reading the Bible again. No, that's not how truth broke through. He started reading Plato and Aristotle and the classics. And he realized there are some things that are true. And it wasn't until his mind could get out of that mental block he had, then he started reading the Bible, and it made sense this time. And God had done a wonderful work in his life. He really converted in the jail cell, and through a series of miracles that you have to get the uh, book to read, he got out after only serving about eight years and went on and got a a, a doctoral degree in theology and served in the C.S. Lewis Institute for a number of years. It's a fabulous story, but it's telling us this. Don't be a buffalo that wanders off on your own. Don't be one of the pigs that gets caught up in a crowd mentality going the wrong way. Stick with the truth. Go with God. And beware of isolating in one way or another. Mostly, don't isolate yourself from the truth. Now, look, we all are struggling with isolation these days. It's still with us. And, um, but there's some things you can do. And those of us who are getting older are finding it's easier to be isolated. We, need, we all need help. So I kept, as I kept reading through 2 Timothy, I came to the last chapter and, I, and you, you got to imagine Paul in prison with chains, writing this out. In fact, I've got a picture of it. Someone has painted this picture to give you an idea of maybe what Paul was like. Um, so I want to turn to the very end of the second, the, the very the last thing that Paul wrote. We, I'm going to put it up on the screen here, too, but I'm going to read from the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse um, 9. Because even when you're isolated, even during this time of uh, pandemic, there's things you can do. And I just love the attitude of Paul here. Where he tells Timothy, famous last words here, do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved the world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Wow, talking about isolated, he's really isolated. Verse 11, only Luke is with me. Okay, well, he wasn't totally alone. And he had visitors too. Only Luke is with me. 
get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. By the way, Mark, that was the one that Paul said, I never want to go on a mission trip with him again. He deserted us. And now he's saying, be sure to bring Mark. Man, I really, I really love that guy. Interesting. Age will do that to you. Verse 12, I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. Hey, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. Oh, and my scrolls, especially the parchments. The scrolls probably would be uh, Bible passages. The parchments maybe been book, or maybe he's just looking for paper because he wants to write more letters. Verse 14, he tells Timothy, Alexander, the metal worker, he did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he's done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. Verse 16. You know, at my first defense, no one came to my support. That's really being isolated, isn't it? But look what he says. Everyone deserved me, uh, deserted me. May it not be held against them. He had such a forgiving spirit. The Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it, and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. We've kind of come full circle, haven't we? The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, what struck me was, talk about being isolated. This wasn't just a pandemic. Paul's been in prison, possibly for years. And yet, he has not become isolated because of, look what he's doing. In fact, I made a list of uh, like about eight things you can do even when you're isolated. This is what Paul did. Number one, he wrote letters. Duh, we're still reading them. <laughs> I got this long letter in the mail the other day. It was actually handwritten by a real person who sent me with a stamp and everything. That was kind of cool. How long has it been since you got something like that? But you can send something like that. Come on. And I know some of you are very good letter writers. Keep that up. That keeps you connected with people. Paul wrote letters. He mentored other people. Right from prison, he's helping Timothy deal with the issues going on in his church. And, you know, Paul mentored lots of people. Even when you're isolated, you have advice to give to others. Be a mentor. Um, also, we know in other writings that he had soldiers there guarding him. And what did Paul do? Did he scowl at them? Ah, he conversed with them. He converted many of them. So I'd say, talk to your caregivers. Even if you're isolated, there's someone who's bringing you food or whatever. So connect with those people. Look, even when you're isolated, you don't have to isolate. You know what I mean? Because here's another one. Keep reading, learning, searching for truth. Be sure you bring those books. Would you do that, Timothy? Bring those scrolls. He's always learning. He's an old guy. That's a great time to keep learning. By the way, people ask me how I'm doing in retirement. Well, I miss parts of it. I miss getting up here and talking to you people. 
There's some parts I like, too. The other day, I got a 400-page book, and I just read that thing through, had it done in less than a week. <laughs> and this is a topic that I'm not usually reading, but it happened to be on politics. So I was just fascinated by things that I... Keep learning. Just like Paul. Keep learning. Uh, welcome visitors. Even in prison, he had visitors. And there's ways to connect with other people. Don't isolate. Even if you're isolated, you can still connect with people. Paul, uh, here's another one. Make plans for the future. He said, I got this idea and I got that idea. Even when he wasn't sure about his future. He's thinking, I'm probably not getting out of here, but I still have plans if I do. Make plans for the future. And, and notice this. Be forgiving of other people's failures. That'll keep you fresh. Sure, there's people who have offended you, who've deserted you, done you wrong. Alexander, the, the metal, metal worker, man, he was terrible. But you know what? God's going to take care of that. Oh, by the way, when you're forgiving other people who have failed you, here's one more person you can forgive yourself. Forgive yourself for your own failures. And one last thing. You can ask people to do you some simple, specific favors. Hey, hey, Timothy, could you grab my cloak and bring it? Oh, and bring those parchments and the scrolls. You know, a simple thing. Sure, I can do that for you, Paul. That's the kind of thing that keeps us connected. Because more than anything, even though you have a vicious enemy who would like to get you isolated one way or the other. Don't be that buffalo. Don't be one of those pigs. Instead, wherever you are, stay connected to God and God's people and God's grace. He'll get us through this. And Lord, we're asking you now. Help us with this monster, with this lion, with this cruel enemy who wants to, one way or another, take us down. But we look to you to lift us up through truth, through fellowship, through worship, through your word, through repentance, through knowledge, and our faith in you. We love you. We need you. Guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to be a church where people are changed by God to change the world. If you want to partner with us in this way, you can start by doing these two things. The first, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you can do that by hitting the subscribe button wherever you're listening so you can stay connected with us and we can broaden our reach. And the second, and this might be the most important thing you do, share this message with someone you know. And as always, remember, we're prayed for, cared for, and loved. See you next time.